Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and I'm so grateful for this show. You know, we are creating a space for HR and talent leaders to share their pivotal moments. And today is such a great conversation with such a dynamo. Our guest today recognizes the power of the employee in today's market. And she says that employees are realizing this power in a way they haven't ever before. So her encouragement to organizations is this. You have got to create a space for their voices. Whitney Hoffman Bennett is the Vice President of Talent and Culture at CallRail. But what you really need to know about Whitney is that she's experienced toxic cultures and really good ones. And she says, you don't have to put up with what you're given. Listen in as she talks about the importance of the relationship with employees and creating a two-way street for their voices to be heard while accomplishing organizational goals. Check it out. I actually started my career in sales at a startup and quickly found that having to kind of start over every month, you have a new quota, you have to bring in more money, was way too stressful for me. So I pivoted to the much less stressful world of HR. Hopefully you could hear the joke in that because Uh it's much more stressful. And I went to another startup. I kind of started at an entry-level position and saw the need for HR. And we all know the beauty of startups. You can raise your hand and say, hey, I'd love to do this. And a lot of times you'll get a yes since no one else is doing it. So they really poured into me. They paid for me to get all my certifications, get my training, gave me a path forward. And it was amazing. The culture did turn a little toxic towards the end of my tenure there. And actually someone that I did sales with at the beginning of my career reached out to me. They were at this startup called CallRail, wanted to know if I was looking to pivot because CallRail needed HR. And that is actually how I ended up at CallRail. So tell me a little more about that shift from sales to HR. Yes, I, I heard the sarcasm in there. <laughs> but what, like, what was it about that that was intriguing to you? I know this is such like a trope. Originally, I was like, oh, I want to help people. And then to be honest with you, I was just really nosy and wanted to know like what was going on <laughs> in every facet of the business. Don't get into HR because you're nosy. That's not a good reason. That's not why I'm still there. Because the thing about is HR is you can be nosy, you can know all the things, but then you have to help fix all the things that you now know about. Yeah, my my... My very first boss had this locked cabinet, and now I know it was the employees' files, but I always wondered, like, what's in that cabinet? Yes, it's you. It's what the are mystery. Lo- what are they locking away in there? <laughs> Nothing that you want. Nothing no. that you the want. The mystery files, the mystery info. So how was that? Like, when you, within your, like, first few weeks, no doubt you had uncovered some insights about HR. What were those? It was actually really exciting and it was fun to be at a company for so long because I had employees that were there with me throughout my journey. And I remember one in in particular said, you know, the first time I came in to talk to you, you brought your notebook, you brought your pen, you were very serious, like HR lady, I'm going to take some notes. And now it's like, I can just come into your office, we can talk, and then we can get down to business and we can figure it out. But it's more conversational. I think I really learned the value of HR and kind of the HR I wanted to be. I definitely always wanted to be the partner. I did not want to be the police. I did not want to be the bad guy. And I really believed in the company and the culture at the time. And I just wanted to make sure that I could help 
continue to make it that way as long as possible. That partnership attitude, I mean, that definitely drives more of a conversational open tone, doesn't it? It really does. And I think if you don't see yourself as the police, you don't feel like you have to fix everything. You can empower managers to fix things and to help people. It doesn't all have to be, let me come to you with this problem. You fix it for me. It takes the pressure off for certain. Yes. I mean, there's so pressure in other areas, but yes, it definitely takes the pressure off. The pressure off of having to fix that. That's for 100%. Certain. Yeah. Yes. And so you mentioned that the the culture became toxic and you have this interesting perspective about toxic cultures. Tell us about that. So I don't think I realized I was in a toxic culture until I had one of those light bulb moments. And it was when I had a review with my boss and I told him, you know, this is the path I want forward. I really want to be a vice president. And he laughed out loud. Like, and it wasn't a joke. I was not joking. And he was like, oh, are you serious? Really? Why would I not be serious? Why would I say that to you? So it really let the wind out of my sails. But also, like, it kind of made me look back on some other moments that had happened and was like, oh, this is not this is not good anymore. And that was really when I was like, okay, if another opportunity comes along, because I was not actively looking, but if another opportunity comes along, I'm going to take it. Um, And I actually had two opportunities, um, didn't get one, and then did get the other, which was CallRail, which turned out to be a huge blessing. In general, though, with toxic cultures, and I don't, I feel like I sound super privileged when I say this, but I'm really looking through the lens of tech companies. And I think in tech companies, you're always going to be in demand regardless of your role you don't have to stay. You don't You don't have to stay. And I think gone are the days where people work for 20 years at the same company, retire, sail off into the sunset. That's not what it is anymore. People are leaving all the time. We're in the middle of what people call the great resignation. You don't have to stay. And I think people are realizing that now. Yeah, you don't you don't have to put up with it, right? You can you can find something that's more empowering, more fulfilling. How do you balance that with leaning into the challenge and growing through the challenge? I mean, we know that that is also an important leadership principle. So, I definitely think you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I had that interaction with my boss that was super disappointing. I also think if I had had a lot of faith in his boss at the time, I could have gone to his boss and like, Hey, I want to talk about this. This is the path forward for me. How do you think I can get there? Is this realistic for me here? I could have tried to talk to other people. I think my trust in that organization was lost. If it's just a one person problem, you have lots of other avenues where you can try to fix it. And honestly, if it was just a that person problem, I could have leaned in with him and been like, no, I'm serious. Let's talk about this. I want to make it work here. But at that point, I think it was already too far gone. That's really interesting. So it was more of a system or a culture issue versus just a him issue. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a really great way to think about it. Yeah, because what would what, what had your relationship with him been like up to the this performance review conversation? It had been fine, but I think it's also because I wasn't paying attention. It had very much turned into it matters how many hours a day you're at the desk. It doesn't like I don't care what work you get done. I need to see your face at your desk 
for a very long time, every single day. And so it's, I had that one bad interaction and then went back and started thinking, oh, wait, it's actually not that good. And this isn't what I want going forward. And I'm, I'm young in my career still. What am I doing? And I also, I want to say, if you tell your career aspirations to your boss and they laugh at you, that's not anything I think you can overcome, honestly. <laughs> that's a pretty clear sign that it's not a great environment. I just, yeah, and, and I'm so bewildered by that. But I, you know, as I've reflected on that story, you know, it's, it's a reminder to me of just being so intentional about my response to employees. I mean, because even if he did think that that, if, even if he was confused by that or didn't understand that, like that reaction, like you said, it completely let the wind out of your cells. Like, pause before responding, ask some questions before responding. Yes. And I, look, I've had team members, I have a very sarcastic personality and I've had team members tell me before, like, Hey, I can't tell when you're joking. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I got to rein that back in. Like you also have to be coachable from your employees. It's not just leaders coaching down. Yeah. Great point. Well, and have the kind of relationship where they feel safe enough to say, Hey, that's not cool. Or that's, that's insensitive or whatever it is. You didn't have that kind of relationship with him. So that environment didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if your leader laughs at your career aspirations, it's a pretty clear sign. It's not a great environment. It's a red flag for sure. It's a red flag. So you did end up going to Corel where you have seen a lot of growth. And I know that you love the work that you get to do as VP of talent and culture. Talk more about that. So I think I'm able to do a lot of the great work I'm able to do because I have a great team and there is that kind of back and forth relationship. It's not just Whitney at the top telling everyone what to do. It's super collaborative. So I've got a really great HR manager. I've got a culture manager, which I think is super important during life 2020, 2021. It was always important, but the importance has grown. And then a really great head of recruiting. And so I, I think culture is successful, especially from an HR standpoint, with the team you build around. Because if I'm great and employees trust me and can come to me, but then they're like, nah, I don't know about these people she has working for her. It's going to be a detriment to everything I try to do. Yeah, I really love I love that perspective about you you're really focused on building a team around you because you get the impact of those experiences that employees have with your team members. Yes, and I also kind of going back to the VP path, I cannot grow as a professional. I cannot grow my career unless I have super strong people that are coming along with me. Because if I'm v if I go from director, which is what I was previously to be VP, I'm not really doing those director things anymore. If I want to go from VP to chief people officer, I'm not really doing those VP things anymore. So who is going to be there kind of filling that void? And it makes life so much easier if you're bringing people kind of along with you. Mm, I love that. So as you're growing, you're really intentional about growing your team members so that you're all rising. Yes. How how have you done that? What does that look like? Well, I, <laughs> listening to them and not laughing at their career aspirations. No, I'm just that's, kidding. That's a start. <laughs> so we do something at CallRail called career growth check-ins once a year. And it's completely different from a review. It's kind of, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to be. 
you manager, how can you help me get here? Is this path realistic? What do I need to do to be successful? And I really lean into those kind of every single year, really focus on those milestones and what they need next to be successful. I think it's also really important that I am also talking to my boss about this. Like, hey, I want to move this team member to this, or we're focusing on this. So he is also aware of kind of where I want to bring the team and where we're going to go next. So it's not necessarily selling him on something when it does come time for that promotion. It's a lot of facilitation, it sounds like. Facilitation of different perspectives and yeah, you're keeping him in the loop and while you're asking these questions. So what, what do you do when it doesn't all quite work out? Like there's someone whose aspiration isn't aligned with the vision or where the organization's going. How do you navigate that? So it's interesting. I have had to have this conversation with employees before, and I've actually had to help other managers have this conversation. The way I always try to frame it is, and and not necessarily, this doesn't have anything to do with poor performance, but if it's just unrealistic at the stage of our business or where the company is going, I don't think we can do that for you here. However, in order for you to go do that somewhere else, you are going to need X, Y, and Z on your resume, or you're going to need to have accomplished these things. Let's focus on getting you as much experience as possible here so your next move can be a successful one and you can go to do that role that you really, really want. I think you cannot be scared to let employees go or to help them on their way, because then you're not shocked by a two weeks notice and you're getting champions for your company outside in the world. Well, and because you were focused on growing them where they are, I mean, no doubt they feel so grateful for that and which leads them to be such a good advocate. Yes. I think that's what everybody should want. Like I said earlier, nobody is staying somewhere for their whole lives anymore. So you want to create that community of supporters inside and outside of the company. Yeah. What a great perspective. Like I'm going to help you be the best version of you here while you are within this organization. And then you can take that with you wherever you go. It's a very different mindset, isn't it? It is. But it plays into that. I mean, what you started with, with just like the, the power of the employee that right now, like particularly within tech, well, in lots of different industries that employees get to decide, like they have the choice, the power of choice right now because of the market that we're in. Employees have more power, I think, than they have previously. And of course it's financial, but more what I'm talking about is they have the ability to say, this is what I want in a company, or you said these things, I'm going to hold you accountable to this. I think there are unprecedented expectations from employees now more than ever. And I think we were headed on that path, but the pandemic definitely accelerated that. Because if you think about it, during the pandemic, a lot of the benefits were stripped from companies because they were just trying to keep the wheels on the bus. They didn't know what was happening. No one had gone through a pandemic before. So for a short amount of time, or some companies still, you were kind of left with the bones of the company and you could really see like, oh, look around. There's not like the shiny ping pong and the free lunches every day. These are the people I'm with every day. Is this what I want to be doing? Right. And so no longer is this attitude like you're fortunate to have a job and we pay you for a job. I mean, the the, the tide has really turned and the employees hold hold the power. 
And we had so much time to kind of sit around and think. (laughs) And I think now that hopefully, hopefully things are getting better, people are really being intentional about what they want. And the fact that most companies just opened up and started hiring kind of nationwide, it's creating a lot of room for people to figure out what they want. And then they're able to go do it kind of from the comfort of their home if they want to, but they can have that job in California and work in Atlanta. So companies have become more flexible and company, and sorry, not companies, employees are definitely taking advantage of that. Yeah. And so the message for organizations, I mean, you're right. We, we've, but this has been, the tide has been shifting for quite some time. And so the, the smart progressive organizations have been paying attention and have created an employee experience that gives them that space. You know, what, what advice do you have for organizations that are making this change or haven't made the change? Yeah. And I was just, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about like starting out in HR and how completely different it looks now than it did in the beginning. I was talking to someone the other day, they were looking for somebody to come join their organization and head up HR and wanted to know if I had any referrals. And what they said to me is, you know, we kind of want somebody to just come in with a playbook and run with it. And you can't come in with your playbook that's been working for you for the past 10 years and run with it. Are, are some of the things the same? Of course they are. There's always going to be reviews. There's always going to be a compensation philosophy. Those things are going to be the same at every business, same in the fact that you're going to have them. But employees now are looking to be included and needed and wanted and heard and understood and get their emotional needs met by their companies. And you cannot do that with the same thing you've been doing for the past 10 years, unless you're super ahead of your time. Yeah. And it's things like the career growth check-ins that you were mentioning that creates the space for employees to share and connect and feel cared for and heard. What else, what other things are you seeing organizations do to create those kinds of spaces? So my culture manager has really championed uh, employee resource groups or ERGs internally, and that has 100% created the space that people are looking for. You know, it's completely employee-led. Our culture manager is the sponsor, kind of helps facilitate. And then the leadership team meets with ERG leadership team quarterly to kind of see what they're doing, how can they help the business. But for the most part, it's employee-led. And these are groups like our Black and Brown group or our Women's Circle, things like that that really give the employees a voice and a safe space to talk about how the last couple years and just life in general has affected them. And that's interesting. So did I hear you say you are then connecting with the leaders of those ERGs? Yes. So um, myself, the CEO, and the CFO meet quarterly with the leaders of the ERGs. So it's like a feedback loop, right? So they're coming back and sharing, here's what we're doing, and here's what we need from the organization. Is, is that right? Yes, that's right. And they can kind of also share with us, like, this is what we're doing, but does it align with the business goals? And so they're also getting that insight to the path forward. They have also executive sponsors. So people that are not necessarily within the ERGs, but are their sponsors and their touch points throughout the organization that they can go through. So can anyone start up an ERG? What does that look like? Anyone can. 
So we actually started with something called Pride Rail years and years and years ago. Um, It disbanded. And then in 2020, employees really wanted to create a black and brown group. And one of them came to my culture manager and she was like, great, let's do it. But you need to do it. This needs to be your thing. And so they really kind of accelerated it, formalized it. And then from then there, we had Women's Circle and then we have um, Pride Rail kind of came back just in a different function. So now we have three. Yeah. And it sounds like a great leadership opportunity for these these uh, leaders who are leading the groups as well. I mean, what a great way for them to stand up and and lead the charge on something really positive. And it gives them the visibility to the leadership team. It gives them insight into where the company's going. We put them all through our leadership training program and increased their continuing education dollars so they could do more if they wanted to. So I think it's really important if you're going to stand up any ERGs at your organization, it's got to be a two-way street. And it's also really good if someone in HR can help with the facilitation. I wouldn't recommend it being a VP or anything like that. I think if you have a culture manager, that's amazing. That's who's in charge of ours. And they can help really facilitate it. To keep it going and make sure people are engaged. And you're right, there's some there's some art in that. Well, and then just again, like the the fact that you're meeting they're meeting quarterly with with the CEO and the CFO as well. I mean, that shows like broader organizational buy-in and support, right? It's not an HR thing. No, 100 percent It's not an HR thing. And it's something that we take super seriously. Each one is given $25,000 um, a year to donate to charities that they feel passionate about and align with kind of the work they're doing as well. So it's not just, oh, isn't that cute? They have an employee group. Like, no, this is a legitimate group that is getting the funds as well to do what they need to do. Right. And, and moving the organization forward in the process, no doubt. That's really great. Okay, so career growth check-ins, employee resource groups, anything else that that you have seen that's really helpful with creating that space? I think out of 2020 really came the need for empathy and grace. And obviously, it's not like a formal program, but it needs to be okay for employees to say, I'm not okay. Like you want me to bring my whole self to work. My whole self is not okay today and my work might suffer. And if you're uncomfortable as a manager or a leader kind of getting into that with them, that's totally fine. But you need to be like, okay, I hear you. I got you. Like, here's what I can expect or here's when I need something. Is this realistic? Like work with people and be empathetic. It really doesn't take that much, but I think it goes a long way. And 2020 was a nightmare. 2021 has been more of the same. So I think the expectation of I need you at your desk eight hours a day, I only care about the work you're producing, that has to change as well. Yeah, most definitely. A conversation I've been having quite a bit recently, I'd love to get your perspective on this, is I'm seeing everywhere as well, like this the, the call for empathy and grace. And, you know, we've talked more about those those two characteristics in the last 18 months than I think we have in a long, long time combined. But one of the things I hear leaders struggling with is like balancing accountability and managing performance. And I see leaders really struggling with, 
there's this feeling that some employees are taking advantage of this power that they have and that what they really want to say instead of being empathic is like freaking get over it and move on. To be fair, I think we we are human. HR is fallible too. We've all had those thoughts before. Like, oh my God, I just need this one thing. Come on. I get it. Like, it's okay to have those thoughts. Maybe don't say them out loud to that person. Go home and tell someone at home you feel that way. Or, or tell your coach. <laughs> tell your coach. Tell somebody else. I get it. But I also think it's about looking at someone's performance prior to whatever happened, happened. Like whatever they're currently dealing with at the moment. Look at their performance before that. Were they performing well? Were they a good employee? Okay, maybe remember those times. Give them a minute. But also, this is a business. We have to earn money in order to continue to do all the things we're doing. So is it? do you need leave? Do you need just like a couple of days off? Can you tell me like what I can expect from you? I, I think it's very much a two-way street, which I feel like has been the theme of this. It's not just employees saying, life is really hard right now. I can't do it. I need a minute. And managers just have to say, okay, all right. It's also not managers just saying, I expect all these things from you. I don't care what's going on with your life. Just do it. And employees saying, okay, yeah, you're right. Like there has to be a meeting and there has to be that foundation of psychological safety so you can figure out what's going on and what is realistic. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, it's communication, isn't it? And transparency and openness. So again, it goes back to, do you have the relationship to have that? the relationship equity to have that kind of conversation. Share your perspective and what the needs are of the organization and the team and the goals. Yeah. And I think a lot of, it's not necessarily like C levels and VPs are like over here on this side of the office and they don't talk to anyone else. That's not how companies are set up anymore. So just talk to people, let them know where you're at. And and if you're not met with, empathy or grace, or even like a little bit of understanding, then going back to what we talked about at the beginning, maybe this is not the place for you. And now you know that. That doesn't mean just walk out the door without another job lined up. That's not what I'm suggesting. But kind of if people show you who they are, now you know, believe them and make a plan to remove yourself from that situation. It's interesting how it's come full circle. <laughs> We're right back yeah. there. Well, I so appreciate this. I mean, you've given you've given us a lot of things to think about in terms of creating the space for employees' voices to be heard. It's like it's like embracing that power that they have and giving them a space to share what's going on within them. It happens within these groups, it happens with leaders, it happens with these check-ins you're doing. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Thank you. This was really fun. Hey, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? They can find me on LinkedIn. I am Whitney Hoffman Bennett. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.